This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. I'm going to feature all my favorite matte nail paints and if you want to know more then please continue watching. I do have a lot of Nykaa nail polishes guys and considering how affordable they are and the kind of shade range that they've got and even the quality is pretty nice. Hey everyone, welcome to Nykaa TV and today in this video I'm going to show you three different and stunning eyeliner looks. Wow. Life begins at 50 and re-begins at 58. That's Falguni Nair for you, India's newest billionaire. Born in Gujarat, raised in Mumbai, and now being applauded all over the world. Someone who's just disrupted India Inc. Last week, Nykaa had a stellar debut on the stock exchanges. It crossed a market cap of one lakh crore rupees. The company is now more valuable than big players like Cipla, Britannia, and Marico. The 5300 crore rupees initial public offering or IPO was subscribed a massive 82.4 times. A beauty destination for all from Maybelline and Lakme to MAC and Estee Lauder. Nykaa has it all. It sells more than 300 Indian and global brands. Here's Falguni Nair speaking at the National Stock Exchange on the day of Nykaa's listing. What a journey Nykaa has been. going right back to 2012 i was in an established career which would often see me help entrepreneurs be in the exact position i am in today after taking a giant leap of faith i left my long career in investment banking to build a platform which at the time saw few believers and many naysayers a beauty destination for all powered by technology content community and just pure passion Yet, shares of the cosmetics to fashion platform tanked as much as 7.4% on Monday morning after it reported a huge 96% decline in quarterly net profit, hurt by marketing and advertising expenses. So, what's next after the sensational stock market debut? Are these valuations sustainable? As Falguni herself said, an IPO is like graduation for a company. Now there will be quarterly shareholder vigil to keep up with. Competition is intensely heating up. Can Nykaa hold its own? There's a long road ahead for the company. Let's find out what that looks like. I'm your host Ratna Bhushan and you're listening to the Morning Brief. We have with us Fireside Ventures partner Kanan Sitaram and Avendus Capital Executive Director Neeraj Trimali with spot-on number crunching and insightful analysis. And of course, Falguni and her daughter Advaita, who spoke to ET's Samida Sharma and Sneha Shah on the day of listing. Kanan, you worked closely with some of India's largest consumer internet companies. How much and what changes now for Nykaa with all this shareholder scrutiny? on the one hand there is going to be a whole set of additional compliances governance standards and all of that but let's leave that for the time being i think the fundamental difference is that the nature of shareholders has changed and this is going to be in something of a cultural transition for uh, nykaa let me try to expand on that um i just pulled out some numbers on price earnings multiples 
Hindustan Lever has a price earnings multiple of 67. Nike has something like over 1700. And you know, this might be a bit of post IPO exuberance and so on, but any which way you look at it, every rupee of Nike profits is being valued much more highly than that of Hindustan Lever. And that means that shareholders have huge expectations of how this company is going to perform and that means that the company has to very religiously deliver on its strategy and its quarterly growth path of revenue and earnings that does mean that in some respects this company might become very circumspect about what kind of risks it undertakes in the future and that's a cultural transition i'm talking about because as an unlisted company as a company having shareholders who have come in with maybe a 5 year 6 year 7 year kind of outlook the company would have been encouraged to take risk to try new things but now in this new listed environment and the very very high expectations that are embedded in the valuation i think there may be a tendency to take less risk and that could mean that the dna of the company may change whether that's for good or bad i think that's going to be what's interesting to see however neeraj from avendis capital feels that not much will change for nike post listing right neeraj so see mature companies even in the private world ratna the way i think about it is they are board governed right this these are while entrepreneurs or founders run them but these are all board governed companies where they have to give their annual quarterly monthly business plans there is a reasonable amount of scrutiny which is not compared to what uh, scrutiny comes with the share market but i think to me uh, nike has been always high on business consistency and high on systems and processes and i think uh, from a stock market p- perspective i think what is important is that you need to be consistent and predictable and second is also you need to be uh, very good in terms of your systems and processes because you need to do everything on time i think luckily falguni has been a, a premier banker herself and she has done a lot of ipos and uh, she knows uh, what it means and i think they are they were ready couple of years back also for a, a stock market debut so i don't think anything necessarily changes apart from just having to go through the rigmarole of a, a public markets but they they from a business perspective i don't think anything changes for them they'll be as audacious as they've been when my colleagues spoke to falguni last week she acknowledged as well that venture capital is more patient here's what she said see i was looking for pure equity investment and that came more from high net worth family offices and we got enough of those like mm. around I didn't want to raise money for first 2 3 years because I was like I want to I don't want to show a spreadsheet and get my assumptions assumptions questioned I'd rather raise money when all my assumptions are in place so that they cannot question the assumptions so I waited for 2 2 and a half years and our first fundraise fundraise was around end of 2014 early 2015 yeah and at that time uh, yes we must have met a lot of investors because my starting point of starting this journey is that I want to do something that others don't believe in 
So, because if everyone believes in something, it's already played out. Yeah. So, I was looking at an idea that is not currently played out. So, obviously, it was harder to sell it to some investors, but we got some investors and they've been with us from the beginning. So, it was a, I think high net worth uh, capital is a good capital. They understand the risk profile. They totally support you on your uh, on your decisions and strategy because they've done it before. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I really value the capital we got. But what does the market cap of 1 lakh crore rupees actually mean for investors? When compared to India's largest consumer goods company, Hindustan Unilever, Nika is massively overpriced. Moreover, the markets have witnessed HUL's performance and execution over decades. That gives them more confidence on the HUL stock. Neeraj says for good stocks, both entry and exit are expensive. But as Kanan points out, a lot of this valuation is embedded in the future as well. So Ratna, one, the market cap of 1 lakh crore means for existing investors that they've made a lot of money. <laughs> so that that is one. But but for the for the new investors, the anchor investors who came in the IPO or a lot of retail investors who have put faith in uh, the company and come now, I think it means that they are coming into a very, very, very interesting play, a company which has been built very differently and has has a very interesting potential ahead of it because of the new things also they are doing. And I think in India, if you think about good stocks or best stocks, rather, I would say that have always been priced disproportionately and much better than even how good stocks have been done. Right. And I, I feel that if people are thinking about a very long term uh, investing here, I think it's a very, very uh, interesting journey for them from a from a wealth creation perspective. And in good stocks, as I said, entry is expensive, but even exit is expensive. So you you always tend to gain if you're there in the long term. A very, very difficult thing to say when the company is at this very early stage of its life. I talked about Hindustan Lever earlier, and we have seen Hindustan Lever's performance over decades. So there is a huge understanding of the company's business the company's management, how they execute, how they give guidance to the market, etc., etc., and therefore analysts are able to judge fairly accurately how Hindustan Lever is going to perform, and that's true of many, many listed companies. In the case of Nika, a lot of the valuation is embedded well into the future, and as I said, we are talking about price earnings multiples of thousand seven hundred. And the average of Nifty valuations, if you take all the Nifty 50 companies, is around 21. So there is a huge expectation embedded in this. And therefore, it's very, very difficult to understand what is a fair valuation at this point in time. Falguni and her family stake is now worth over $6.5 billion. Are these staggering valuations sustainable? 
it's a fair question to ask is it sustainable which means can this business become much bigger can it become much more profitable in the future the way to think about is it is that there is a big transformation underway in india a transformation on uh, two counts one we have seen that the market for beauty and personal care for fashion has been expanding at a fairly rapid rate in the last few years so the market in which nike is operating has been really going ahead quite rapidly the other big big transformation going on in this country is the whole digital transformation i mean there are supposed to be something like 500 600 million users of internet in india today that by any global standard is enormous so the categories in which nike is playing are growing and the business model which is very digital focused and in which nike is playing is also growing exponentially and the concatenation of these two is really what i think investors are thinking about when they think about the future and saying this is going to be a very very big play and that is the only reason to expect that this valuation can be sustained but is the sense of wealth creation a bit disproportionate from market reality here's what falguni has to say our family definitely uh, wants to you know wants to be involved for the long run and uh, we we are we are committed we are very passionate about this business we are committed to this business for the long term i think neither for my investors nor for our family i am not sitting and measuring how much wealth we have created we are only measuring how much impact we are making vis-a-vis our consumers and vis-a-vis the society and i think that is our driving force and it has always been our driving force i think i mean early days also when i used to do some fundraise a lot of you know people used to tell me oh you raised so little because they yeah. wanted me to raise much larger yeah. amount of money so that the transaction gets noticed that's mm-hmm. not the way to build a company we raised the capital that we needed at that point in time we diluted what was needed at that point in time of course the business needed some amount of money but we built this company with all of 80 million dollars i mean those are the kind of numbers i think this is the ecosystem that you talk about so far nike has been very focused on tight cost controls this has resulted in higher profits but can the profitability come under stress now as they expand here's what falguni told et now in an interview to our surprise you know at the store level profitability was intact even during uh, early days of september october and i think uh, nike has uh, of course you know uh, in physical retail the costs are higher and to that extent you know uh we are yet to achieve full break even of the business uh but we are very close to that so i think we do believe that it was the right strategy the mix needs to be correct and we will continue to do that in the future so what is a good price for nike now the stock did take some correction on monday after its sensational debut last week needed says if the company continues to perform as it has historically its share price will gain and that this is a long term bet they would have done a lot of road shows right they would have met maybe 50 100 200 investors and these are all very very high quality investors who are very very long term and they have deposited their faith into the company at at these prices right so these prices have been discovered uh, by a lot of people who have seen similar plays or differentiated plays globally and uh, i think from here on if nike performs 
how it has performed historically, I think they will continue to gain on the share price and wealth creation perspective. I think Nika has built their business very differently, right? They've grown, hyper-grown sustainably, right? I think that's been our ethos and that has worked wonders for Nika. So I think it's important to stick to that in terms of one, continuously execute. Second is, this is a very discerning consumer, right? So you have to be up in your game. You cannot lose your game. And you need to be like very close to your consumer, try to come out with what they really want and bring a relevant experience to them and keeping the customers or user happy. I think that to me is the biggest challenge. for them. The consumer is quite clearly the queen here. The story goes that Falguni was at a five-star hotel when she noticed the salon there did not have that shade of nail paint she was looking for. That's when the idea of starting her own business struck her and Nika was born. Well, I must confess, I too have dealt with situations when I couldn't find my shade of lipstick or nail paint. If only the same idea had struck me. Well, such is life. Nika is just one of the many new age consumer internet companies that are listing now. We asked Kanan and Neeraj why recent listings like Zomato and Paytm have received different responses from investors compared to Nika. So my understanding is that the Zomato market cap is not very different to that of uh, Nika. I think the interesting one for me is uh, Paytm. And I think a lot of people are asking the question, why the Paytm IPO did not attract the same level of uh, interest. And there are many theories which are being you know, put forward. Is the valuation too high? Was the size of the IPO the largest that India has seen? Was it too high? Etc. Etc. But when I step back from that, I think the one takeout for me is that investors are therefore asking a lot of questions. So the valuation that a Nika or a Zomato got and the interest that they got, the fact that it's different to that of Paytm does mean that investors are evaluating these different uh, IPOs and looking at the strategies of each of these and assessing the value and the interest in investing very, very separately. And that means there is a fair amount of maturity in the way these uh, IPOs are being, are being evaluated. So I think that's one step back thought that I have on these three IPOs. And there is another step back thought, uh, Ratna, which is that um, at the end of the day, all of them were fully subscribed. And that means that the Indian stock market has actually moved forward from just valuing current financials or you know, expectations of more in the near term future kind of uh, financials to actually evaluating and valuing strategies, the results of which may take some years to come. If they wanted to do an IPO in an earlier situation, they would have to go to maybe somebody in Wall Street and explain to them about the Indian story, why what they're doing is very relevant in India, why it's scalable, etc. And the chances of success uh, might have been uh, mixed. Now, it's really clear that if they have a, a, a good strategy, the entrepreneurs are credible, if the governance is good, they can go to the Indian market and raise money out here. And I think that's another fundamental transformation that's of great interest to me. I think there are three specific points I'll tell, which I believe are very differentiated for Nika. 
and which have made it stood out and just see the numbers of the ipo right it's it's never ever happened for a ipo of this size in india this was not a small ipo it was a 750 odd million dollar ipo and the kind of subscription they've got either for retail or for public or for nii i think it's it's not comparable at all to anything which has happened in the past of this scale i think i would say leadership uh, if you think about this category in india in the beauty side which is the core business today they are numero uno right and they they've been a platform of choice for all the beauty brands in india and outside that's one i think the second is profitability right uh, if you think about the other two the pr- pr- there there are no profits as such today to talk about right and they they have a story around profits for future i think what it does is it's not necessarily a bad thing but some people who have always valued profitability would not be as comfortable with the other two and i think the last one is also the way the businesses have been built if you think about all the three in terms of uh, valuation today it's not very different right we are not talking about one a scale of uh, 10 we are not talking 2 and 10 we are talking maybe uh two of them almost similar and the third one maybe 10 20% higher but the amount of capital required to reach here is so astronomically different and i think a lot of people have appreciated that right because uh it means in a technical way that a lot of shareholders who were shareholders then didn't get diluted and their shareholding was almost intact to the time they made this investment and that allowed them to make a lot of return versus they getting continuously diluted for the amount of capital being raised So I think that's that's the third very very important differentiator for Nike. But the beauty space is getting crowded and intensely competitive. Nike is already operating in the same space as many consumer companies and now with the big boys Reliance and the Tatas to getting their beauty blueprints ready. Nike will obviously have to up its game, right? Nike has been seen to be a specialist in a market where there are a lot of generalist retailers like an amazon or a flipkart you go there to buy anything and everything nike is seen as a specialist beauty personal care uh, retailer and people therefore believe that when they go to nike they'll be able to fulfill their requirements much better than when they can go to an amazon and flipkart that position that nike has acquired is something that will continuously need to be reinforced and reinforcement does mean that they always have to be the the best specialist in the beauty and personal care area and that means that you must be able to find stuff on uh, nike that you perhaps can't find on other platforms or when you find something on nike you must be able to really understand that it is for you and therefore nike must talk to what is the connection between what the consumer is interested in and the consumer's problems and how do they provide an understanding of whether a particular product or a particular brand will really solve that problem for consumers and that means that they must really understand why consumers are coming to shop in nike that's a mark of a great specialist brand and i think that's where nike has to keep innovating to make sure they are the best that's there Nike has had the first mover advantage in beauty and personal care as we all know but now they're talking fashion as the new growth vertical but that's a space deeply entrenched with players like Myntra and Ajio so how do things change Falguni's daughter Advaita an Ivy League graduate herself is steering the business into fashion 
but can straddling beauty, personal care and fashion work? Fashion is definitely something we're betting on in a very big way. It's a bet that we took about two and a half years ago. And I think we're going to see, uh, I mean, the, the growth in the last year itself has been incredible. Uh, but I think we'll see massive acceleration this next year and, and the year after. And so we do see fashion actually becoming a very sizable part of, you know, Nike's overall business. It's already 25% of the consolidated GMV. Uh, but we see that percentage going higher over the next few years. We're trying to build something that is slightly more premium than what exists in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to put that in context, like our average order value is 3,000 rupees um, and our competitor's average order value would be less than half of that. Yeah. So it's not some uber premium platform, but mm-hmm. yes, we do believe in the slight premiumization of the Indian consumer. We saw a gap there. We heard that gap from customers and from brands, and that's what we're focusing on. So we're going to try to build a very differentiated platform with this sort of unique, premium, curated, style-led positioning. And we're then confident that we'll be able to build this into a very sizable business. Here's Neeraj and Kanan's take on Nike's journey into fashion. I think they have been a lot more successful in fashion in a very short span of time because they were able to leverage all their learnings in the beauty and personal care space, which they did, into the fashion uh, space. And I think they have a very, very strong leadership. And the business is now very important part of the overall theme. It's my sense is what I've read is it's almost 20-25% of the total GMV of the, of, the, of the company. So you have to appreciate that they will be able to break this because the consumer love for them has not stopped. They have to just transcend them from one to other category. At a very conceptual uh, level, it works because all of these are about helping people look their best, right? You buy fashion because you want to present yourself in a certain way. Uh, you buy beauty and personal care again for the same reason. So the uh, part of the brain in which uh, these reside are all very, you know, are, are all, I guess, next to each other in the brain, if I may put it that way. So in that sense, it feels like a coherent uh, strategy. The challenge is, I think there are people who came in ahead, and I particularly would like to call out uh, Mentra, who has remained ahead of that game for a long time. Despite being challenged by people like Amazon, etc., Mentra still continues to be way, way ahead. And therefore, strategy is one thing, but can they execute execute the strategy in a way which feels uh, different to consumers is, I think, um, something that I'm still not sure has been answered. Which brings us to the question every startup deals with. Are these new age companies simply burning cash instead of focusing on profits? We are early stage investors uh, and typically almost all the investments that we do are in businesses which make uh, losses. So how, how do we separate out good losses from bad losses is something that we do every day in our uh, business. And the way we think about this is saying that um, why is a loss happening? Is it because you are acquiring new customers? And are these customers happy with what they're buying and do they come back? Therefore, is there a very profitable lifetime value that the business is generating? Or do we find that uh, most of the customers who come by once and never come back again? In which case, it's you know what I would call a bad way of using capital. So I would argue that it's not just about losses. It's about 
are these good losses or bad losses and as i said good losses are essentially those which in some manner bring forward the future and we are very happy to invest where you are spending capital to bring forward the future falguni is the daughter of a businessman who ran a bearings company she studied at iim ahmedabad and started off as a management consultant with af ferguson she quit when she was at the top at kotak mahindra group after nearly two decades and famously said everything was going right can everything continue to be right for nika time and a ruthless stock market will tell i'm ratna bhushan and you've been listening to the morning brief this episode was produced by nehal chaliawala and swati joshi saundarya jayachandran was the sound editor we are signing off and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode do send in your feedback to the morning brief at timesgroup.com and do share the episode on your social media networks the morning brief airs every tuesday thursday and friday thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead all external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners credits mentioned in the description box